Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. It's Car Smart Friday, which means that I'm in my car. So please put your seatbelt on. We are going for a ride. I'm going to give you a little update on what's been going on in our life the last two weeks. Let's do it. All right, so on Fridays, I have been doing the Alzheimer's Chronicles, and I am definitely going to include some of that here today, too, near the end. But I wanted to start with just like the regular life update stuff in case you're like, yeah, I just I can't right now. My brain doesn't want to think about that. I got too much going on or maybe find it sad or depressing, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. I totally understand. I completely respect that. I think it is important that you, you know, protect those things. All right, so let me just tell you some funny things. First of all, y'all know I have ADHD to the max. It's so funny to me that when I share in my social media stuff, the things that I do, that people are just shocked. They're like, really? Oh my gosh, you're a mess. Like, how are you successful? Or like, you do that too? Like some of it's, I should say a lot of it is people just going, oh, I'm so relieved to know that you do this too. And there's hope for me or, you know. I'm not alone. Things like, so for example, this week I uh, went, took my cousin Ashley and my girlfriend, Dr. Michaela Sarno, who was on the show just a couple weeks ago. By the way, I heard from a lot of you that were like, you know, I don't agree with it. You can say, I love you too much to your kids. I'm in the same camp. I don't know anyone who said my parents said, I love you too much, but she's the expert. She's the one that sees all the adults who are trying to work through their stuff. So she did go on to explain later, and so maybe this will help, that what she finds in the clients that she sees is that those who really have parents who maybe were narcissistic or abusive or manic, that they would then shower the child and I love you, 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 and it didn't mean anything. And so in that respect, I understand how it could be, it loses its meaning, but I don't know, we showered our kids and I love yous and and I don't think they ever got sick of it. In fact, even to this day, my daughter, who turned 21 today, the day you're listening to this, she is totally, she's like, if I don't say I love you at the end of every conversation, she'd be like, she'll text me and say like, what's going on? Like, she definitely needs to hear that. And I love that. And I love her. Okay. And why was I mentioning Dr. Sarno? Because she was on the podcast and I wanted to clear that up because I heard from a bunch of you. By the way, if you want your voice to be heard, a great way to do that is by joining the pod squad. We talk about all the things there. Appreciate your feedback there. It's super helpful. So I took those two girls to my boxing coach. I've been working with a boxing coach. Like it's a half hour drive to get to his place, which I don't know where you guys live at that. But here in Southern California, if things are more than five miles, you're like, oh yeah, no way. No way. That is so far. I'm not driving out there. So he's like a half hour away. I drive and pick up. Michaela, then I drive and pick up Ashley, and I've got a new car, new to me, and it says that I'm low fuel, but it doesn't tell me how many miles I've left, and I really appreciate that in my older cars where, like, it told me exactly how many miles I had left, and yeah, there, let's just be honest here, there's plenty of times where I push it, and I'm like, I know that I can go all the way down to, like, 10 miles, and I'm fine. But this doesn't tell me that. It just says low fuel. And I'm like, I don't know what that exactly means. 
but I'm going to get to this boxing appointment on time. And we sure did get there on time. And then we left. And yeah, I forgot that I was on low fuel. So I drop off Michaela and I'm about to drop off Ashley. And I look down and I'm like, dang, I got to get fuel. And she's like, well, go ahead, pull over. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I, you know, I, I've had you out forever. you got little kids. Look, i got to get you back home. It's only a mile or so. L- let me just drop you off and then I'll get gas. Mm, no. God had other plans. We conked out in the middle of, like, the busiest three-lane. It's not a highway, but it's, like, pretty much a very, very busy, not freeway, a busy street with three lanes. How about that? And cars are honking and going crazy. And this is not a big deal to me. I think for some people running out of gas, they would just panic and freak out, and I don't know. But if you have ADHD, it's a normal occurrence. I've probably run out of gas 20 times in my life. It's the first thing I did the first week I got a car is I ran out of gas. And a lot of people, when they run out of gas, are like, that will never happen to me again. For me, I was like, eh, well, that wasn't that bad. And I love AAA, and so I've had AAA all my life for just such occasions, or leaving my lights on, you know, like AAA has been a godsend, until this day, on Saturday. So, we're in the middle of this, like, we're in the middle lane of the three. Cars are whizzing by, and California drivers are not friendly. They're honking, and like, flipping us off, and we're just giggling. By the way, Ashley's also my cousin, so she gets it, she understands my brain. I have a feeling she probably has ADHD too, I'm not sure. But... Anyways, so we're there. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Anyways, people are whizzing by. I called AAA. They're like, I told them we were kind of in a dangerous position. And I don't know if we should have got out of the car. I don't think so. We stayed in the car. But anyways, they sent a car, a truck out immediately. This guy gets out of the truck. I'm sorry. Just before his truck gets there, this gentleman, and I will use the word gentleman, drives up in front of us and parks his car. Parks his car in front of my stalled out car and he jumps out of his car and there was something about his like appearance that I was like oh I know that guy don't I and I looked at Ashley I'm like do you know him and she's like no because we're kind of like by her neighborhood and he runs over to my driver's side window and again it's a new car so I haven't even like rolled down my windows enough to even know like where the window is this guy probably thinks I'm an idiot I finally figured out how to roll my own window down and he's like do you guys need help and I'm like well no I think we're okay AAA is coming to bring us gas and he's like Okay, well, that you're in a really dangerous spot. Put a neutral, and I'll push you over to the side. I'm like, okay, this guy's so nice. And he's, you know, handsome, probably in his, uh, I'm guessing, like, mid-30s. And I say handsome, like, meaning, like, oh, I, I could hit, hook up one of my girlfriends with, like, you know, he's a single nice guy who's a good Samaritan. Look at him. He's just pulling over to help two damsels in distress. And he wants to push us off to the side of the road. So he's like, put your car in neutral. Well, this stupid car that I have, it's not a stupid car. It's a nice car. I'm happy to have it. But the shifter, like to go from park, neutral, drive, etc., is where your windshield wiper would be. How dumb is that? Whose idea was that? Are you kidding me? It literally looks like your windshield wiper thingy. And so you like flick it up and it goes into reverse. You flick it down, it goes into drive. It's so hard to explain. But I can't get into neutral, and I can't even figure out how to get into neutral. And I just look like an idiot. And we're like, too, like, oh, we're just dumb girls here. Blonde hair. We're just dumb. Like, and, you know, new car, run out of gas. Like, he must think these are the two of the dumbest girls I've ever met, specifically me. And we can't figure out how to put a neutral. And he's like, uh, okay, well, listen, 
I'm going to go get you gas. And I go, no, really, AAA said they're on the way. He goes, ah, you know what? I can get gas and be back in two seconds. And I just feel really bad because as he's pulling off, AAA pulls up. And so AAA comes to my window and this guy's in a bad mood and he's not very friendly. And he's like, ID. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So anyways, of course I don't have my ID because I have ADHD. I lost my idea a while ago and I have to go to the DMV and I just, oh, I've been putting it off. I'm just going to be honest. Like I've just been procrastinating. I don't feel like doing it. I got to figure it. And so I'm, I'm figuring that out today. Okay. Okay. Fine. So I have to explain this guy. I go, I don't have an ID, but look, everything else is my name on it. I've got registration with my name on it. I've got my credit cards with my name on it. I've got, I can show you social media with my name. Like I have everything you can need except a driver's license. He goes, well, I don't know. I got to go back and call supervisor. I'm like, really? Like, this is such a dangerous position for us to be in. You have to go call your supervisor? And he's like, yeah. So he goes back in his car and I think he ate his lunch. I'm not even freaking joking. He looks like he hasn't missed two. That wasn't very nice, Shalene. But he wasn't very pleasant. So he's back there for like forever. And Ashley and I are like, what in the heck? What is going on? Like, really? He's not, doesn't look like he's on the phone. Like, what is he doing? Right. And then meanwhile, our Good Samaritan shows back up and we're like, oh my God, there he is. And he parks his car again in front of our car and comes running towards my car with a big red tank of gasoline. And I'm like, yes, because like now I don't know if AAA is going to save the day or not, but this guy's going to save the day. So I tell Ashley, I'm like, Ashley, ask him what his name is. I mean, he's a Good Samaritan. He's putting gas in my car. We have to know his name. And she's, he's like, my name is Joe. I'm like, Joe, where are you from? Because I know he's not from California. Listen, don't be offended if you are from California. I married a California native. Y'all aren't the same. There is Midwest. You don't even know about Midwest nice. We are so nice in the Midwest. We will mow your lawn. We will shovel your drive. We will jump your hoopty. We will go and get gas, even if it makes us late for work, and fill up your tank. And so I knew this guy was from the Midwest. Sure enough, he's from Missouri. I'm like, of course you are, Joe from Missouri. So I'm not asking for myself, but Joe, you're a nice guy. Are you married? He says, no, I just moved here. I said, great. What is your Instagram handle? He says, I don't have one. I'm like, great. Like, so you are a good Samaritan who takes care of women and you're not on social media. What kind of unicorn are you, sir? Okay. So I'll describe what he looked like. I think if my memory serves me. He had kind of like brownish gingery kind of hair and a beard and he was handsome and kind of looked like a Midwest lumberjack kind of guy. But no, he didn't look like he was from the Midwest. He looked like he was from California. You know what I mean? But he has those good Midwestern values. My point is this. I go, Joe, I need your phone number because I'm going to do you a solid and I'm going to find you a girl. And he's like, okay. So he gives me his phone number. First of all, what am I thinking? Like, what am I doing? He's probably thought I was hitting on him, which I'm not. Listen, this, this is a quality guy. I think that he would be in big demand here in Southern California because the guys here in California are... <sighs> I would not want to be single here in Southern California. I would not want to be single. Hell no. I wouldn't want to be single anywhere. Just, I just don't, I couldn't handle it. I don't know how you girls deal with it, especially during COVID. I've got a couple of girlfriends who, you know, they go on the apps and I have such a fun time swiping for them. But anyways, long story short, Joe filled my tank up and then grumpy AAA guy comes back. I hope AAA gets this episode or someone from AAA hears it. And P.S. I used to work for AAA. But anyways, grumpy AAA comes back. And he's like, uh, 
So my supervisor said I could uh, I could give you gas. We just need to verify blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, you know what, AAA? No, Joe took care of it. I'm going to cancel my AAA and just keep Joe on speed dial. So that is the end of that story. It's kind of an ADHD story because, you know, of course I forgot my ID and I forgot everything else and ran out of gas and... And that's just, that's a normal day with ADHD, except, you know, that was a day where like my ADHD was actually really bad because I just, I had a lot of accidents and that's when I know I'm, my brain isn't connecting synopsis the way that it needs to. Like I'll go to set something down on a table and like in the middle of setting it down, like I'm reaching toward the table to put my glass down and I'll start thinking about something else and I will like drop the glass because i I'm forgetting that I'm in the middle of setting a glass down. And yeah, I, I, like I, so I had a bunch of accidents that day and then I ran out of gas. I forgot my ID, like all these things. Right. And, and that's pretty normal with ADHD. And I just don't let it bug me because I've been like this all my life. And I think one of the reasons why it doesn't affect my confidence is because it's like you're blonde or a brunette or you've got black hair or gray hair. It's like, it just is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. That and also my dad has the same brain as me. So I think my mom was, you know, okay with and understood how to handle me. And so did my dad, obviously. And so I was never chastised or made fun of or called names as I think many children with ADHD are. Their parents get really, really frustrated with them. And I do think that is, man, I would love to change that. I have been talking a lot about ADHD and I guess mainly because I didn't realize so many other people had it. I didn't realize, I just didn't know because I was diagnosed so late in life. I didn't know that so many people have just struggled all their lives because so much of it, because they weren't diagnosed or they had parents who just did not understand and believe that they were lazy or that they just weren't applying themselves or I don't know, you just got missed. And so it's been really feels very purpose driven to be able to help other people and talk about this and to normalize it and let people know, no, you can be crazy successful. You just got to learn some coping techniques. You got to figure out whether you need to be on medication or which supplements. And, and so that's been really fun. And, and I love the way that God places purpose in your life. You know, I, obviously Brett and I have been talking a lot about together about how much purpose we feel in this season with my father-in-law, his dad has been living with us and it's been a real journey. I didn't record an episode last Friday because I just wasn't up to it. You know what I mean? Like I just I feel like sometimes maybe you guys don't want to hear it and I just wasn't in the right headspace to talk about it. But this week was a really good week. Like I just, his cognition was really great. We got him on a good sleep schedule. He's in a routine. There's lots of very funny moments if you follow me on Instagram, but there's also been quite a few sad moments. And I don't know if this is because I, I don't know what this is. I just don't know. And I don't know if anyone ever would know, but in the last week or so, he has had more episodes where he's upset with his brain and he's aware of his disease. Now, this is interesting because when Bob was diagnosed, he wouldn't say the word Alzheimer's. He called it a fake disease and that he didn't have it. And even once he did like realize he did have it, like, and I'm talking like early stages where, 
you know, he was really still driving, still coaching, very functioning. But, you know, he had to come to grips with the fact that this was his diagnosis. And we had him diagnosed at the Amen Clinic. And we had him diagnosed because, you know, I think I did a whole episode on that, so I won't repeat. But once he was, you know, at an early stage, knew he had Alzheimer's, he still wouldn't refer to it as Alzheimer's. He would say, you know, I got that thing and would point to his head. He would just never say the word. But this week, there's been quite a few moments where he's embarrassed because he's forgotten something he's asked us like maybe 30 times. And then he'll gets tears in his eyes and you can see him shaking and getting frustrated and he's sad and he's embarrassed and he can't understand or, or he's, I don't want to say hallucinating, but more so like confused. Like he thinks his wife is in the house with us and we're like, no, nope, she's not here, Bob. Debbie lives in Colorado and comes here to visit. It's best for both of them. It's a family decision, but he doesn't really know that because he wouldn't be able to comprehend that. So his the story he understands is that she's working to sell the house and that once she does, then, then she'll move here. He has no concept of time at this stage, so he doesn't know the difference between a day or two weeks or a month or an hour. Like, it's just no concept of time. So when we can say she's coming soon, he thinks that means later that day oftentimes. And so something happened a couple days ago that he got really confused and he didn't believe what we were telling him. And he didn't believe that she wasn't there. He was like, no, she's here. She's here. And then... In order to calm him, we called her so she could explain to him where she was and what she was doing. And and he was irate with her and he was angry with her and, you know, just it was not good. And then he hung up the phone and he was so upset with himself for having gotten upset with her. And he was upset with himself because she said the same things that we had said. And he was just devastated. He's like, just started shaking and crying and not just tears, like sobbing. I'm going to hold it together right now, but it was hard. And he was just crying uncontrollably and, and pounding his fists and saying, my effing brain, why can't I be effing normal? My brain's effed up. And you could tell he was just clenching his fists and he was trying so hard to fight out of Alzheimer's. He just wanted to just he's so freaking determined. You just wanted to see him punch his way out of it. God, I was fighting for him in that moment. So hard. That's what he was like. Literally, we were watching him just try to fight his way out of it. Have you ever had a dream where you're like, just wake up, just wake yourself up. And you're just, you're trying to fight yourself awake. I felt like that's what he must've been feeling. And it had a shocked Brett. Because I know Brett's never seen his dad like that. This big, strong patriarch. And Harry was just so vulnerable like a child and, and so helpless. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing he can do. There's nothing anyone can do. This is where you are. So I just grabbed him and hugged him. And he was hugging me so hard. And he was just apologizing. He's like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, please don't say you're sorry. He's like, I'm so sorry. That was sad. And he calmed down eventually. It took a while. 
and Brett stayed with him. I had a podcast interview, which is coming out on Monday, but so I had to dip away. But that night, Brett and I talked about how fortunate we feel that we were there for him in that moment and tried to imagine what it would be like if we weren't blessed by the situation that we're in and we couldn't care for him. And he was in a home, even with great caretakers. It's just to imagine your loved one not having someone who knows them so well there is heartbreaking. And I know some of you are there. You're in the middle of this. Please know that there's no judgment. There's no, I watched an IGTV today of a woman who was caring for her mother and she cared for her for two years. And she said very honestly, and with such transparency in her story, we found a home for my mom. And she said, it's not because we can't care for her anymore physically and financially. We can care for her mentally. We can't do it anymore. And it's killing us. And my mom would not want that. And I thought, wow. And I just loved her conviction. And you can't judge any other person. You just can't. And I do believe you have to make the decision that's right for the person who's got the most life left. This is the right decision for us right now. And there's, again, like I said, we're going to just take it day by day. I don't, people always say, what's your plan? What's your plan? I'm like, it's his plan as in God. It's God's plan. It always has been. It always will be. And we're just letting him tell us each day when we wake up, we just pray and say, God, please, with you, all things are possible. We know that you are looking out for us. You're carrying us. You're holding us. And we wouldn't be able to do this without his strength. We would not be able to do this without our faith. Anyways, Brett had left me a voice message about it. And I thought I would, I asked his permission if I could include it in this podcast so you could hear kind of his take on what that was like for him. So I'll let you listen to that and then I'll be right back. Hey, hon, I want to give you a quick update from my perspective on how the last couple of days have been going. They've been a lot different. There's still a major focus on my mom since she's over in Colorado and it, it still consumes a lot of his day. But the last couple of days, it's been really hard, especially on me to watch him really have a difficult time with the disease because he's at the stage right now and I don't know if everybody gets this stage but he's at the stage right now where he knows that he should know things and it really upsets him whether it's the you know hundredth time he's got in the car and to get out of the car he doesn't know where you know the correct levels levers are he doesn't know maybe sometimes where the seatbelt is and you know all I got to do is say it's up by your shoulder and he totally gets it and but that's been difficult but more than that is just the fact that he got so upset this week and he broke down crying I haven't heard my dad cry like that since he lost his brother 35 years ago and thank God we were there to, I, I just can't imagine him being in, in a home and having him having those thoughts that, you know, just uncontrollably sobbing and just because he knows that he should know things. And, you know, he was just, you know, not my words, his words. He said, my effing brain, I just can't, why can't I remember these things? And so that was really hard. 
but on the flip side of that, you know, we got through that and I was, once I thought about it, I was grateful that they, both of us were there and were able to calm him. Then we sat on the couch and he was so calm. He just, you know, dozed off and took a nap and then he was really excited to go out to dinner and just him and I went to dinner and that was a lot of fun. We just sat at the bar, had a couple Mai Tais. He had his favorite fish and chips. His favorite waitress came over, Sunshine, who has to be an angel because like she like runs over every time and gives him a big hug and you can tell she means that she's not just doing it just to do it. She really kind of cares for him and that's it's amazing. And so just driving home, he just was so thankful for you and I and that he's got this great place to live and that he loves it here. And so, and Rocco, of course he loves Rocco. Sorry, monkey, but he loves Rocco. And so it was a hard day. It was a hard day, but it was also, you know, I was so thankful that, you know, he wasn't in a home and around strangers and people that would know how to deal with that situation. I mean, I know they would know how to deal with the situation, but not like us and know where it was coming from. But just this disease, it's literally, it's one day at a time. It's such a cliche, but it is. It's one day at a time. It's one event at a time because you don't know what he's going to remember and you don't know what's going to make him happy. So we just keep plugging along. I love you. I love you so much for helping me through this and, and we're going to get through this together. I love you. How awesome is my husband? I love him so much more through this process. Like I didn't think I could love him any more than I already do. And those of you who know, like our marriage, we've been, you know, at low, low points before, but it's just been one difficult time after the next makes us become closer and closer and closer. And I pray that you have somebody who is a teammate like that for you. I am this man's biggest fan. I am so deeply in love with his heart and his passion. Ugh. And it's our 26th wedding anniversary as I record this. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just, I'm getting teary eyed because I love him so much. Okay, I'm home. You can take your seatbelt off. I love you. I mean it. I'll talk to you soon.